Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 6 and take a look at this picture. I would say that guy went out on a limb to get that shot. Didn't he? He he went out on a limb to get that shot. The reason I wanted to use this is because when I say that guy went out on a limb to get that shot, he is using the, I'm I'm using the same figure of speech that Paul uses in Romans chapter six. See, he's doing, the very thing he's doing is going out on a limb to get the shot. But we use that phrase, don't we? That person really went out on a limb. He's risking something. He's putting himself out there. So when I say he's gone out on a limb, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6, and Paul uses the same, the same process of speaking, of teaching, when he talks about the, the, um, the issue of baptism. Not only is he saying literally this is what's happening, but he's saying there's a symbolic figurative meaning in it also. So if you follow along in your Bible, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. After Paul has given this incredible uh, explanation of grace, like the choir just sang about, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Baptism, a demonstration and also an explanation of what happens to us when we trust Christ as Savior. Three brief, simple points this morning. Aren't you glad? Number one, there's three key theological truths here. The first one is this. An old influence has been defeated. When a person is baptized... There's this statement that's made about an old influence that has been defeated. Look at verse 2. When Paul mentions grace, should we continue to sin so that grace could increase? You say, who would teach that? Many have taught that. There was a Russian monk named Rasputin back in in the day when he would teach on it. The the Russian emperor loved loved that teaching. And here's what he basically taught. Since grace is so abundant, the more grace is there... You want to get it. So the way you get it is you sin more. In other words, sin with gusto. That's exactly what Paul was combating here. People said, since God's grace is so amazing, I can do anything I want, live any way I want, and God will forgive me. That's the wrong attitude. 
He says, absolutely not. Some translations say, by no means. We are not free to sin. We're free from sin. That's important. We get a, those of us who believe in eternal security get a bad rap. They say, well, you folks that believe once saved, always saved. Believe you can live any way you want. No, we don't. We believe just like Paul says in verse 2 there. That's not true. I can't live any way I want. I, I am set free from sin, but I'm, I'm not set free so I can sin. Verse 2, he says, how, could I who've been set, how can we who've been set free from sin still live in it? How can you still live in it? In other words, a continuous lifestyle. That means to, to be in an, an atmosphere of sin. How can you, who claim to know Christ as Savior, who've been set free from sin, who say that sin's influence over you has been broken, how can you continually live in this atmosphere, this lifestyle of sin? Paul says you can't do it. One writer said it's not only impermissible, it's impossible. Because to know Christ as Savior is to say, there's a new influence in my life because this old influence has been defeated. Look at verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, that we could be no longer enslaved. Our old self was crucified. That means the old person. In my, in my situation, it's the old Kevin, the one in charge, calling the shots. When I received Christ as my Savior, the old Kevin in charge was put to death, the Bible says. I don't understand that, but I experienced it. The self, the selfishness, the old self was put to death. He says, how then, if the old self has been put to death, can you continue to live in sin? You're no longer enslaved to that. Someone said, for a believer to want to go back to a lifestyle of sin would be the same as Lazarus, wanting to put back on the grave clothes and walk back into the tomb. It's not the life of a Christian because that old influence of sin has been defeated. You say, well, pastor, I accepted Christ as my Savior, but I still sin. Well, welcome to the Christian life. I didn't say we don't sin anymore. I said we will no longer continue in a lifestyle and atmosphere of sin. Do you all get it? There's a difference. Some have said it this way. Instead of saying I'm a sinner saved by grace, why don't you just say I'm a saint who sometimes sins? Well, whatever, whatever works for you. But I do know this. Bible says clearly, as a believer, my lifestyle should no longer be a lifestyle of sin. I am not perfect. I will never be perfect this side of heaven. When I, when I, when I go to glory, then it will all be out of my life. But, it, but I have still the flesh that continues, and we all do, the Bible says, that continues to pick at us and nag at us. Now, the influence has been broken. The power of sin has been broken. But my realization of that is a gradual thing. A marriage is a good analogy. When I married Kelly on January 3rd, 1981, right? <laughs> Thank you that I remembered that. Thank you for clapping. When I married her, that day I got married. No doubt about it. I said I do and I will and she said I do and I will and we did and we do, all right? That happened that day, but I want you to know, 30, however many years it is, 31 years since then, later, I realize more now what it means to be married than I did that day. It, it is a once-for-all act, was a once-for-all act, with a gradual realization. Does that make sense? The, the day I got saved, I thought, man, Lord, this is it. I'm glory, I'm, I'm forgiven, that's it for me, and then the... The flesh started getting me, and temptations would come in, and I would, I would fall, and I would falter, and, and, and then I realized, you know what? I'm really not completely 
set free from all that, but the power is not there anymore. See, now that I have Christ as Savior, I can say no to sin, where I couldn't say no to sin before. An old influence has been defeated. Listen, if you are living in a lifestyle of sin, that old influence hasn't been defeated in your life, and what that means is you probably never trusted Christ as Savior. Because when you trust him, that power that sin has over you is defeated. A lot of analogies help us understand that, but um, we'll just stop that because I need to move on. I got a whole bunch more there. Number two, an old influence has been defeated, but a new inheritance has been delivered. In salvation, a new inheritance has been delivered. If you look at verse three, he mentions that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus. We were baptized into his death. Verse 4 says we were buried with him by baptism. Verse 5 says it this way. For we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death and resurrection. It means that we've identified with Christ. We now have a new inheritance. We are now a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. No longer does sin control my life. But Jesus Christ controls my life. A new inheritance. I'm a different person. The baptism pictures that, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Baptism pictures these two spiritual realities, demonstrates them. Someone said it's not, it's not about putting a person under the water. It's about bringing them out of the water. It's not just, well, you're dead to sin now. You've been raised to a new life, a new inheritance. I love that. This translation says a new way of life in verse, uh, verse 4 there. To walk in a new way of life. When I baptize, I say buried in the likeness of his resurrection, uh, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, taken right from this passage. Some pastors say buried with Christ in believer's baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, taken from this passage. That's what's happening there. It's a reminder to us that there's a brand new inheritance. Several years ago, New York Times reporter Nicholas Kristof decided that he was going to do a story on the the sex trafficking and, and sex trade in Cambodia. He decided he was going to go try to buy the freedom of two prostitutes out of a brothel there. And so he went in and began negotiations with the the head guy at the brothel. And and first first girl he was able to set free for 150 bucks. They made the transaction and she was ready to go. Second girl that he was going to set free, they had to haggle. And the guy that owned the brothel got up to $203 on this one lady. Said, okay, you can have her now. And he went to get the lady... And as they went to get her, she began to cry and panic and say, I'm not ready to leave yet. I, 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 I need my cell phone. And I pawned my cell phone. So not only do you need to set me free, but I need $55 to get my cell phone back before I go with you. And in his story, he wrote about the, the intricacies of the, the web of that, that lifestyle, of how it made it difficult for her to leave. But well, there's a picture there of a lot of Christians. Jesus says, I have, I have set you free. I've set you free from the law of sin in your life. You're free, go. You're you're new, you have a new inheritance, and we still want to cling to the old stuff and not be living as a brand new person. Well, by contrast, I love the testimony of Iris Blue. She was a drug addict in the streets of Houston, a prostitute. Somebody came by and shared a track with her and began to share the gospel with her, standing out in the street in front of a nightclub, led her to Christ. And this is what she says. I love her testimony. It may not be the exact words, but this is what she says. She says, that day I knelt down a tramp and I stood up a lady. Folks, that's, that's a new inheritance. 
That's, that's being in Christ. That's being in him, raised with him. That brings me to number three. In baptism, a new identity is being demonstrated. A new identity is being demonstrated. I, I, I hope I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it. When we baptize a person here, like we did Philip this morning, that doesn't mean he's going to heaven. If that was the case, I'd baptize everybody. That baptism is his demonstration and his statement to you that he's trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And because he prayed to receive Christ as his personal Savior, he wanted you to know about it. So he went to the baptistry with me this morning. Well, I wish everybody was as easy to baptize as he was. And that was a, that was a piece of cake. Some of you big old boys, I'm not, I'm not calling any names, but I'll make some eye contact here. <laughs> See, in Paul's day, in Paul's day, they didn't have a, an aisle in a Baptist church that you could walk down and say, I'm trusting Christ as Savior. In Paul's day, the testimony was, wasn't, well, I walked an aisle. By the way, when we tell people that, what does that mean? I, I went forward. What does that mean? In Paul's day, they didn't have a, you know what they did to profess their faith in Christ? They were baptized. They marched through the gates of the village or the city streets or to the pond or the river or whatever so everybody could see them. And that's where they were baptized. That was their public profession to say to everybody, I'm demonstrating I'm a different person now. A lot of movies have been made and when they put baptism in there, it's like their sins are washed away. Again, that doesn't wash away our sin. I don't know how many times I have to say that as a pastor. Some of us still don't get it. I'll just keep saying it. The waters of baptism do not wash away our sin. Trusting Christ as Savior, believing in Him by faith, receiving Him, and having His Holy Spirit come to live within you, to abide in you, and bring forgiveness of sin and cleansing, that's what washes away your sin. And then you demonstrate it in the baptism. A new identity. I just keep going back to my same illustration. This wedding band that I wear doesn't make me married. Okay, and I'll demonstrate that. I haven't always been able to do this. This is a new one I can get off. Okay, I just took my wedding band off. I'm still married. Did you know that? The day I said I do to Kelly and she said I do to you and, and we, we put those bands on each other's fingers, the wedding bands did not make us married. You know what they did? They symbolized that we were married. Marriage was the covenant that we made standing in front of a congregation. That was what made us married. When Philip was baptized this morning, that baptism was just the symbol of the commitment he made a few weeks ago when he trusted Christ as Savior. We are identifying with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a picture. Jesus was buried. He rose again. My old life was put to death and it was raised in a new life. It's a picture of what happened to me at at conversion and it's a picture of what Jesus did for me at the cross and the resurrection. I've been given a new identity. There's a witness protection plan that takes people who testify in trials and and their lives are at stake and the government will come in and give them a new identity and just wipe the slate clean that, that they're gone and give them a place to live and social security numbers and driver's license and all that stuff, a brand new identity so they can become a brand new person. Well, Jesus does it even better. 
When you trust him as Savior, he gives you a new identity. You don't have to go anywhere to get it. When you trust him, he comes to live within you and he changes you. Folks, baptism, as we witnessed this morning, is a demonstration that an old influence is defeated in my life. I, Kevin, the old self, was put to death. It's a picture that a new inheritance was given to me. I've been raised, as I'm raised out of the water, it's a picture. I've been raised to have a new life, a new way of living, a new atmosphere that I live in. No longer an atmosphere of sin, but an atmosphere of righteousness and forgiveness. And it's a demonstration that I have a brand new identity. Don't mistake the outward symbol for the reality of the inner conviction of the Spirit of God and the decision you made. I'll just be honest with you, okay? It's just us. I I cringe sometimes when I ask for a person to share their personal testimony with me, and they begin with, I was baptized. Now, sometimes they say, I was baptized on such and such a date because I was saved, but a lot of times it's just, I was baptized at such and such a date. Folks, that's the outer symbol of the inner conversion experience. What I want to hear is, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And if you've got the date, go for it. Let me know. And in obedience to Christ, I demonstrated that through baptism. That's biblical. There are a whole lot of folks, and it it, it frightens me, a whole lot of folks that are planning on going to heaven just because they have their name on a church roll, just because they were baptized by the pastor. I'm brokenhearted to think people in this church over these 18 years may have been baptized by me and never have had a conversion experience. See, but I can't see into hearts. But you know what? God can. Folks, don't mistake the outer symbol for the inner working of the Spirit. How many of you remember George Plimpton? Anybody remember that guy? He was a writer, a journalist, and his his, uh, claim to fame was he would go in and, and... Enter the world of a professional athlete. He, he boxed with Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, he pitched for Major League Baseball. He was a backup quarterback for an NFL team one time. They were all preseason games and stuff. But he, he still got in there, and, and he suited up like for the football team. He suited up as a football player. And he went in there, and he took the hits and everything, just like a football player. And he would write about it. What was the experience like? And often he would say, you know what? You can, Kevin's words... You can put on the helmet and the pads and the shin guards and all that protection and you can put on the uniform and you can stand on the field and you can look like a football player. But just to put all that stuff on doesn't make you an NFL football player. But I just was playing the part. You can carry a big Bible. You can have your name on a church roll. You can go waiting with the pastor, some say. You can get dunked. You can be immersed and never have trusted Christ as Savior. Folks, putting on the outward stuff without the interchange isn't enough. I I will plead with you again. If your conversion experience is simply walking an aisle or being baptized, and nowhere in that experience is there a, a moment where you said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Come into my life and take over. Take control. Be my Lord. Now, you didn't have to use those words, but that needs to be your decision. Does that make sense? I know some people that have been saved by saying, yes, Lord, here I am. 
And they understood that they were a sinner and needed a savior and they were submitting to him and, and presenting themselves to him for forgiveness of sin. But there had to be a decision of the will where you turn from sin and turn to Christ. You have that moment in your life? Can you go back to a time? Now, I'm not saying time, date, and all that stuff because I can't remember the time nor the date, but I, I know the moment. I know the moment I remember bowing my head with, a, with an associate pastor to church and praying to receive Christ. Can you go back to a moment? If you don't, wouldn't this be a great day just to settle it? And you could go home and say, you know what? I, I got saved today and there were biplanes in the church. I got saved and there were balloons on the wall. What a day. Do you know him? Do you know that you know him? I invite you to do that. Would you pray with me?